When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with... Co-host Catherine Brandt. Andy Brandt-Bernard. Cassie Schrader. A couple of great guests. Just like last hour, we had a couple of great guests. This hour, we have a couple of great guests again. Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business that started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Look at that. We have music. You fixed it? Hey. What happened? What happens when you put the right plug in the right hole? Oh. (laughs) We have... Brandon Brandon Webb? I think so. Brandon. I'm I'm up. Yay. (laughs) I'm up. Okay, Brandon, we have to start off right from the beginning, and it's this man's fault. Every time I see the two words, Navy SEAL, I hear Jesse Ventura go, Navy SEAL. Oh, God, it's so annoying. (laughs) So I apologize. I love the Navy SEALs, the work you guys do and did. Amazing. But every time I see those two words, I I hear his voice ringing in my head. And he was UDT. He was never a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing was a mess. (laughs) It was a mess. But now, promoting, we're talking about the book, Brandon Webb, Mastering Fear, a Navy SEAL's Guide, from New York Times bestselling author and former Navy SEAL Brandon Webb, comes a simple yet powerful five-step guide to transforming your life by making your fears work for you instead of against you. Uh, That's interesting. I want to hear all about this, Brandon, because we talk about it once in a while because my father was mentally ill and saw and heard things that I couldn't see and hear. I was terrified of that when I was seven years old, but now because of that, 
I don't fear anything or anyone. So did I do that unconsciously as a little kid? Well, I think, you know, and I remember you telling me that story the first time yeah. I yep. was on your show over yep. a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, uh, I think we all deal with fear, different kinds of fear. And, uh, you know, and eventually you learn, you get, you make a decision and you say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid of this anymore. But, it, you know, it starts with the, the decision and then you confront it. And usually you realize that the, the fear story that we made it up in our, in our heads is not as bad as, right. as confronting the issue. And then you make a habit of it, and you can apply it to other things in your life, right? Because I, I don't think fear ever goes away from any of us. Yeah. Um, it just shows up in, in different ways. You know, um, it's you know a... I, I was scared to death. My dad kicked me off my sail, our family home, which was a sailboat. Yep, I remember. I was 16. Yep. <laughs> I was, like, stubborn and packed my bag and then cried myself to sleep for five nights. Oh, I left home. oh, oh yeah. man. <laughs> That's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. But I, I, you know, I just, I like the whole idea of using your fear. My problem is, Brandon, and I don't know why I do this, but when I go to bed at night and then I, I wake up like once a night, at least once or twice. And basically I have a lot of nightmares and I, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what that is. I have a very stressful life and, you know, I suppose that's part of it, but my fears are much worse when I wake up in the middle of the night than they actually are in real life. Just what you were basically saying, our fears are, are yeah. much easier going in real life than they are in our own heads, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this, the reason I decided to write this book is, you know, I'm, you know, I've been an entrepreneur longer than I was a Navy SEAL now. I met a guy that became a, a really close friend of mine, Kamal Ravikant. Um, Kamal's you know, was a partner in Angelist, which his brother started in San Francisco, mm-hmm. very successful tech venture capitalist, best-selling author. Um, Kamal and I got to be close friends in New York City, and I learned he didn't know how to swim and that he had this fear of the water. Oh. And I said, look, we can't be friends. And <laughs> given my background, growing up in the water and being a seal without you knowing how to swim, so let's give me a week one hour in the morning and I'll teach you how to swim. And he was skeptical because he said, look, I've, I've had Olympic swimmers try and teach me. I said, look, look, just give me, give me a week. So we did it. And I wrote a whole kind of curriculum for him based on my training experience in the sniper program when I was an instructor and using elements of positive psychology, same stuff we use, you know, in that, sniper program and I use now in my business and and as a parent myself on my kids but I I said okay I've got to I've got to take these small baby steps to build confidence and and then slowly work him up and this is a guy on Monday morning that went into the pool backwards on the ladder clutching <laughs> the, the side of the the wall when he let go of the ladder and on Friday did a cannonball in the pool sank to the bottom at 10 feet Wow. And held his breath for half a minute and pushed up. And, you know, he's not going to win any races, but he can swim. And he right. he told me on the subway ride back um, to the Flatiron District, he said, look, this has changed my life. Like, you, the one thing you did that nobody else did was you you let me confront my fear and, yep. in a comfortable, you know, comfortable way. We took small steps and then eventually you taught, and then you taught me to stretch a basic stroke you didn't just put me in the pool and start yelling at me to swim <laughs> yeah. um he says you got to write a book about this like this is a this is something that would probably help a lot of people so that that was the inspiration behind mastering fear and just like you told the story of of your father and i know, you know you're i think six you have six brothers and sisters yeah that's exactly brandon you're, good memory. Uh, you're really good memory <laughs> so you know you you were telling your own story of fear and yep. confronting and overcoming it. And that's what I, I talk about my stories. And then I feature some very successful people in the book, like astronaut Scott Kelly, who was afraid he wasn't good enough for the astronaut program when he was a test pilot. Really good and, guy, and so too. Great guy. And so I'm, I try and feature these true stories of successful people 
in a variety of different careers. And so people understand, like, doesn't matter who you are, if you're a professional athlete, a celebrity, a, a politician, or, you know, TV, radio personality, or, or CEO of a company, like, we all deal with fear. And if, if you can, you know, put it into a system and identify it, that, that's what I built in Mastering Fear is a system that will help you really confront the fear and potentially move on in a good way because a lot of people um, there's a funny story I'll tell real quick about jungle training they, they teach you in jungle training how to trap monkeys to eat the monkey for survival oh. sorry for any vegans out there listening. <laughs> yeah okay I, you know, the whole thing amazes me. I, just reading, well, let me read this to the people. Brandon Webb has run life-threatening missions in the world's worst trouble spots, whether that meant jumping out of airplanes, taking down hostile ships in the open sea, or rolling prisoners in the dead of night in the mountains of Afghanistan. Just reading that, what, was there one thing in your life that made you realize what fear actually is? And is that why you were able to do all these life-threatening missions and hostile takeovers and all this stuff. Did you at one, was there one thing, one day, one night, whatever it was, where you said, I'm not going to be afraid of this stuff anymore. None of it. Did we lose him? I think we did. We did not. He's here. Oh, oh, he had, he just called back. Oh, Brandon. There he is. God, I just I'm made not, this. I made this brilliant speech just now, and you weren't on the line. I heard it. No, I heard it. It's not. It's not for waste. <laughs> I just could Because um, so the one, the one thing, I think I had adventurous parents who let me go ride a bike and skin my knee, mm-hmm. as well as they let me take this job when I was 12 years old on a scuba diving boat in California, and. I learned how to dive. One of the captains taught me how to certify me how to scuba dive. We would take divers out to the islands for a couple of days to, to dive all these amazing spots. And when I was 13, I remember I had a couple of dives under my belt. And we were at San Miguel Island, which is the northern channel island, at a seal and sea lion habitat. And if you watch Shark Week on Discovery Channel, you know that what, what eats seals and sea lions is great white sharks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, the captain, Mike, woke me up at 2 in the morning because the weather was getting rough and we had to move the boat to calmer water. So the, the weather started getting rough. <laughs> exactly. And so he wakes Andy me up. Oki. I'm shaking. <laughs> I'm shaking off this, like, cobwebs. And he's like, hey, get your wetsuit on. The anchor's stuck. Oh, my you gotta God. you got to go dive and get it on. Oh, get it unstuck. And I'm like, no. Wait a minute. There's sharks down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want me to do what? I was like. I was just like shocked in this state of like fear. And I was like, I can't let these guys down because I'm like the junior guy trying to prove myself. So uh. I said, okay, let me just put my wetsuit on and take this one step at a time. And then I put my tank on and then I'm walked to the bow <laughs> and I have my dive, my nightlight. And, and I jumped in and probably the fastest dive I've ever made. But I, you know, I swam down in the darkness, uh. bad visibility, walked watching these sea lions zip past me because I could see the bioluminescence trail. And I'm like, okay, at least they're here. The minute they go away, the sharks will show up. Um, You know, I got the anchor unstuck. The chain was wrapped around a reef. I I came up, and I was like, oh, my God, I survived. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So I I think from an early age, to answer your question, I was just able to be be put in these situations and probably thank – to my parents for letting me mm-hmm. have the freedom to kind of experience different things. I played a lot of sports, which I think sports teaches a, a lot of lessons. And when I was playing sports, there was no trophy for everybody. If you didn't right. play top three, you didn't get a ribbon or a trophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, I think through my life, I've just had this series of, you know, experiences that have just helped me personally be able to, to confront what other people would see as you know, really scary things, even public speaking, yeah. um, which yeah. I was afraid of for sure the first time I got up and, and gave a talk in front of a couple hundred people. Well, Sy- I, so, I'm, I, I have a question for you. Um, I, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I've taken some 
classes. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> but I mean, isn't everything? I, I did pre- a holiday in a <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> yeah, I did. Exactly. Um, but isn't almost everything fear-based? Like almost everything. I, yeah. Oh, it's to my point. Is there's so much fear out there? And yeah, I mean um, that. I think that. I wanted to tell. Yeah, I, I the think the story I wanted to oh, tell sorry. quick was the, okay. the the coconut story. So they they trap monkeys in jungle training. They teach you how to trap monkeys. You dig a hole, you put some sticks, some spikes in the hole, so when the monkey reaches in to grab the coconut and he tries to pull his hand out, he can't pull it out. All yeah. he has to do is drop the coconut, and he can go free. But he will not let go of that coconut. Really? The instructor comes along, clubs the, mon- the monkey in the head, and there's your dinner for the night. So the, the thing is, there's so many people that have these coconuts they won't let go of, and, uh, and it, maybe it's a fear of breaking up or getting out of an abusive relationship mm-hmm. it's the fear of career change you know it's, it's all these these fears we have flying public speaking um you know am i good enough and, and what i talk about in the book is getting pushing that negative self-talk out of your head and developing a, a positive you know call it a mantra or self-talk whatever but identifying when it starts creeping in and then how to shove it out and replace it with good stuff uh, and, and then letting go of the coconut. I love this line in your bio. By the way, you're, you have a great bio. Did, did you do your own bio or did somebody else do it for you? I did write it myself. Yeah, I kind of thought so. It's very well <laughs> written. No, seriously, it's, it's a good. Here's one line I just love. As a Navy SEAL, he learned how to manage the natural impulse to panic in the face of terrifying situations. That I think that's a huge a key point you're making right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's true, right? It's um, you know, I've been in plenty of tight situations and see see how people react. I was at kind of even a year ago. We had a I got back from Europe and I was at JFK in New York and they had a somebody phoned in as a hoax that there was an active shooter and it caused complete panic mm. in terminal one. Um, and I saw the people, there was people that kind of just closed their eyes and start crying and curled into a ball. There are the people that panic running around in a circle. And then there was a few that were like, okay, I've got to get out of here. <laughs> so, um, it was, it was a, a surreal situation for me. I've never seen anything like it, but, um, you know, you realize how, react differently to fear and what i hope is that people read mastering fear and, and just be a little bit better prepared i think it'd be great for everybody for to read the book seriously i think it'd be really good for every person i know to read this book because people don't yeah, want to talk really about want... fear yeah it's like divorce right i'm i'm divorced and have a great relationship with my ex-wife who i i made thanksgiving dinner for her and her husband and all the kids <laughs> That's very um, good, Steve. That might be too you know, healthy. I'm not sure. <laughs> a little awkward. Hey, you're too healthy, Brandon. A of, yeah, a lot of people don't want to talk about divorce. It's like half of us are divorced in America. Like, why? Why yeah. can't we talk about it? Brandon, do you do you have a little more time? I just need to take a very quick break here. Do you yeah. have a little more time with us? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wonderful. We'll be right back more with Brandon Webb, ladies and gentlemen. A great and then seriously, I, I, this is a fantastic idea, fantastic book, Mastering Fear and Navy SEALs Guide. Right back with Brandon Webb, Tom Bernard Show. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been to lose weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. I'm down over 77 pounds and I have one more round to go to shed the rest of my unwanted pounds. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did by attending the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner. It is on Monday, August 20th, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. That extra baggage melts away really fast. And one of the best parts is, it's just so easy. I am never, ever hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has educated me on clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and they can help you, too. Register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth Dinner on August 20th. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. 
a program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. Oh, you got your music cooking. Brandon, we just got new equipment, and usually when you, you get new equipment, it doesn't work. And for, you know, for it to be working on the first day is just amazing. Um, we're talking to Brandon Webb about his book, Mastering Fear, A Navy SEAL's Guide. There are so many great things in this book that I want to talk to you about, like the quote, fear can be a set of manacles holding you prisoner, or it can be a slingshot catapulting you onto greatness. Has anybody ever achieved greatness without using fear to catapult them? I think any of the successful people I've met in my life and that I feature in this book, they've all had that approach. Like yeah. they've, all, they've all had to deal with you know, the inner voices that kind of creep up, They're like, I'm not good enough for this, or, they, you know, maybe they had a rough childhood. Uh, but they've, they've always been able to go harness that and overcome it and, and use it to, to propel themselves into, you know, into success. It's just like my, my friend Kamal, very successful guy, but mm-hmm. just didn't, he hadn't dealt with that fear of the water until him and I took that week in New York to deal with it. And my friend, James Altucher, who I, I talk about in the book also, James is a multi multi-millionaire and he has with Kamal, one of the biggest crypto newsletters. And he was terrified of public speaking. So he buys part of a comedy club in New York, puts himself on stage for a year <laughs> to deal with I like it. public speaking. I mean, this guy has some cojones, right? So, uh, but that's, that's the kind of people that I feature in the book. Like, look, there's these people that arguably are successful and that a lot of people look up to. I just wanted to show everybody that every, that these successful people, we all deal with the same stuff in life. Like we're all, life is not easy. Like, right. you know, no one has an easy life. I don't care. You know, I've met celebrities. One of my closest friends, Mark Harmon, arguably the most successful TV actor and, in the oh, history yeah. of television with oh, yeah. Yep. You know, Mark shared plenty of stories with me about about fear and being in the media. And when I first started to have some success with my writing and and was dealing with criticism, and and it really bothered me. And he's like, "Look, everybody that's in your situation is going to have to deal with this. You just got to realize it's a part of it." It's you know, really great, Brandon, is you've surrounded yourself with some really successful people, and I don't just mean monetarily, but successful careers, successful dreams, all the rest of it. How do you deal with the fact, okay, you as Brandon Webb, you've dealt with your own fear, you haven't tried to squash your fear, you try to use it to catapult you forward, as we've already pointed out. What did you do at the beginning when you were going through this when just about everybody would tell you, oh, you're making a huge mistake. You're absolutely wrong about this. How did you fight that off? Because I know people did that to you. I'm sure they did. Are you, when, when you say, uh, just so I understand the question, um, what specific topic are we talking about? Well, I just talked about your, your life in general. Uh, yeah, Brandon, you were in the Navy uh, okay. SEALs, and now you're going to write a book. I don't know. You think you're going to actually write a book? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the writing thing, uh, I Look, I was a like a chubby 21-year-old <laughs> kid in the Navy that was a search and rescue swimmer. I could really swim. I was comfortable in the water. And people thought when I applied for SEAL training, they're like, you're, you're never going to make it. Right. Like everybody told me that. Yep. And, and then 
I go and I make it, and I come back to my helicopter squadron at, at San Diego, North Island. And everybody, man, we knew you would make it. <laughs> and everyone wanted to be my, everyone wanted to be the friend with the Navy SEAL now. And I was just chuckling. I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, but so I, it's something, uh, it, it's a great point that you bring up because I have two boys and a girl. And I work really hard with my kids from an early age to tell them that you have to take responsibility for your own life and for what happens between your ears. And you're going to have people, your friends, family, teachers, coaches that are going to say certain things and not necessarily are all going to be positive or they're going to support what you want to do mm-hmm. in your life. And you have to, to realize that that will happen. And the only one that matters is, is yourself. You have control over your own destiny. And it's one of the reasons I really want to write this book for the young adult audience because I really think it will help a lot of kids. Oh, today. yeah. Yep. So you're you saying... Know, Personal responsibility is important because <laughs> that's not what the yeah. message is out there there's in school. There, yeah, there's a yeah. fresh concept. It's always somebody else's fault. Yeah. I, I love yeah. that because no, I, it's a lost it. message. It's terrible. Yeah. And I see it in adults that come to me. And I I, I took on a, a ment- I've been mentoring this, this young entrepreneur and we had these tough conversations. I said, like, look, nobody owes you a damn thing. Like, you got to do it yourself. Like, I can, I can help you and give you knowledge and point you in the right direction, but you've got to do the work. Like, there is no code you can enter on the computer screen that's going to hack you to level 20. Like, you got to put in the hard work. Yourself. Right. But I, and, and I, don't, I don't even think it's generational. I, I think as much as, you know, maybe a little bit, more with the no trophy, the, oh, everyone gets a trophy stuff. But I think we've always had a group of people out there that just think that, why him, not me? And and they just blame others when in reality, like, it's, we have to take some personal responsibility and accountability for our own life. And, okay. and again, no, I guarantee everyone on the show, myself included, didn't have an easy life. Like, we weren't born with this silver spoon in our mouth no far from it actually great uh, there's some great uh, i guess examples in my life i just ran into a a, a man who who uh is related to an old friend of mine i haven't seen the man in a long time but when i was a kid say probably 10 11 years old 12 years old there was a kid in my class named bobby penman and bobby was not very big at all i mean he was not big at all he wasn't even average size and he wasn't all that tough, but I always watched Bobby when, because he'd get in fights with people constantly. He just constantly were getting, maybe it was because he was a small guy and everybody liked to pick on him. He wouldn't put up with it. But I did notice one thing about Bobby. He never lost a fight, and the reason for that is, and I asked him about that many, many years ago. I don't even know if he'd remember me asking him that. I said, Bobby, why do you do that? He goes, well, because I can't lose. I said, what do you mean you can't lose? He goes, I could not live with myself. So what he would do is fight somebody much bigger and much tougher than him till they finally got so tired, he beat the hell out of them. He just would not give up. <laughs> it was phenomenal. It was amazing to watch. Yeah. I, I love that kind of guy. So I know I, I, I can't, I could not live with myself if I lost a fight. It was amazing. Yeah. I just, and that, yeah. I can't, yeah, there's I mean, a bit of that in you too, I can tell. Story. Yeah, I mean, I just used the, I use it as fuel, right? The people that say, no, you can't do this. You, you're never going to write a book. Um, you know, my dad and I have a, a good relationship, and I, I hope he doesn't listen to this. because. <laughs> oh, thank you him, so much, Brandon. Uh, only because I'm going to share the story with you, right? He told me he read the manuscript to my first book, The Red Circle, and he was upset because he, I got to tell my 16-year-old side of the story of why I left home. Oh. And he felt like he didn't get to tell his side. And my mom was like, look, that's, everybody experiences things differently. And he's like, no one's going to read the damn book anyway. <laughs> you know, and then it became a New York Times bestseller. So, I love that. Uh, that's a wonderful story. Yeah. Brandon, you're a hell of a guy. You're a great example to people. I, I sincerely love everything about your book and the points that you make, I believe you're correct on every one of them. So tell your dad, I, I said, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> I will. 
That's Brandon. grown up. Brandon, please come back soon. I love talking to you. You make a lot of sense. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, guys. Brandon Webb, the book is called Mastering Fear, a Navy SEAL's Guide. I love guys like him because he's out there trying to teach people. Don't beat back your fears and don't hide from your fears. Embrace them. It's scary as hell and it's hard to do. But once you learn to do that, you can do anything. You know what, though? I think that I, I think people prey on people's fears now. There's no and doubt that, about it. And that's it. why social media no is so explosive on all of these things because it's just, yeah. yeah I mean, you, you, if, you, if you keep somebody in a state of fear and panic, you can control them. Because you can say, I yeah, know how to get yeah, out then, of this. I yep. can help you instead of somebody you know, with uh, this whole personal responsibility <laughs> thing. It's just, it's crazy I how know. many people feel like they can just run a stop sign. Yeah. They, I, I mean, I see that oh, all yeah. oh, the yeah. time they now. Do. I used to never yep. see that. I know. And now I see it probably three or four times a week. People just running stop signs. It's it's like, you know, we're all in this together. I don't want to be killed because you've got some sort of agenda or you think that you're above a traffic sign. Yeah. Well, I teach that to especially my youngest. He's in first. He started first grade today. Oh, that's right. First day of school. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he has some behavioral issues. He, he was, you know, behind because he was a little bit preemie. Mm-hmm. So his motor skills and he had really bad cross eyes. So it delayed his development sure. quite a bit. Yeah. And um, like when he's in class, he has moments where he's not listening or stuff like that. And when I talk to him, he's, it's always somebody else that made him do it. And I'm like, no, you're responsible for your own actions. You know, it's like when Alex told me that she had a hearing problem mm-hmm. and I took her to the doctor. Yeah. Never hearing tested. And they said, you have the hearing a, of a German shepherd. It's yeah. Perfect. It's beyond bet. It's beyond good. It's like no, you have a problem paying attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so take, yeah, you've got you have to understand. It's not your hearing. It's that you're wandering yeah. off. You have to bring yeah. yourself back. Because you'll say, oh, so and so, this person, either this kid was talking to me in class, and I and I said, no, you're responsible for your own actions. You don't have to talk back. You just tell your friend it's time to listen to the teacher, and that's it. Right. You know and. I'm really trying with him. I mean, it's a little bit more. He's probably been my most uh, difficult child to try and, you know, mold, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. But I'm hoping this year it's going to be a lot better for him than kindergarten was. Yeah, as they get older, it does get a little bit Mm -hmm. easier, I think. No, I think it's probably true. He's got older brothers. Yeah, I know my oldest boy started high school this morning. High school. I thought you were in high school. (laughs) I'm like, this is not right. I just shouldn't have a high schooler. I just feel like it only gets worse, honey. I feel like just yesterday he was a grandchild. You know, if you want to feel old, sticking things in outlets and and, you know climbing on the curtain rods. You know, it's 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 amazing how time just flies by you. And I and even my youngest, I look at him. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be like two years old? You're six. Where did the yep. time go? Well, yep. that's what's uh, interesting. I mean, to spend your you can spend your life, which goes by fast, mm-hmm. in, in fear and being, you know, afraid of what you could possibly do with your life, or you mm-hmm. could just. I, I I love this Brandon guy. I think he's great. Yeah, yeah he is great. I'll I tell really you one thing it. about him. Um, you notice he, he mentioned that his father. Kicked him out of the house when he was 16. Mm-hmm. But he went back, wrote his first book, and his father read the book and said, oh, nobody will ever buy it anyway. But he does not show any animosity toward his father at all. He kind of used his father's uh, maybe lack of better judgment or the fact that he his father had to criticize whatever Brandon did. He used it for his own benefit, which I think is great. Yeah. He does not waste time hating his father. Well, I think a lot of fathers that are old school dads think that being critical and harsh is actually making a man out of a oh, boy. I know. It's ridiculous. I, I think that's really what, the, what it was coming from. It's insane, the whole thing. I just, as I said, I love having Brandon Webb on the show. He's a, he's a hell of a writer, hell of a guy. Got a great, he's got a great view of life, I guess is the best way to put it. His his. Focus on life is pretty, it's pretty terrific. Yeah, it gives you a good perspective. Yeah. I know. We've got Drew. Okay, we, we have to take a break here for a couple yeah. of minutes. But so, if Drew, Drew, are you there? You're you're up with us right now. I'm most certainly here. Okay, I want to because I have to take a break in about one minute, but then we can we can come and it's a very short break too. So, if you don't mind, 
Uh, we can kind of introduce you for about the next minute or so and then come back and hear all about comedian, farmer, mayor, <laughs> not necessarily in that order. What the hell are you doing, Drew? I think it's wonderful. Um, well, <laughs> you might say that it could be a lack of commitment. You could say that I just have a lot of interest. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, you could say all those things, I guess. But um, uh, right now I'm kind of doing the author thing. I'm doing the mayor thing. It's funny, Rahm Emanuel just announced he wasn't going to do a third term, and I just announced the same thing about a third term recently. But uh, uh, I want my life back. Yeah, I understand that. So you're not going to run, because you just run a, won in a landslide again, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did two terms. And, um, you know, uh, it's... Um, I'm an economic development guy. That's what I was about. So, mm -hmm. you know, but you can't even on a local issue. I'm in rural Appalachia, and you still have cultural issues down here at times. I think it's wonderful. We will be right back in just a couple of minutes, Drew. I promise Drew Hastings, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know some people that I know, actually. We'll, get the, we'll talk about that quickly, and then I want to talk all about uh, your life. Uh, again, I want to talk about comedian, farmer, mayor, not necessarily in that order. Right back with Drew Hastings, Tom Bernard Show. John, I just got another complaint about our delivery service. Oh, not again. Yep, we have to do something about our courier service. You know, they're a reflection of us. What happened now? Well, you know that one driver that has the dog that rides with him? Uh-huh. Well, when he got out of his truck to deliver our package, his dog got out and delivered, well, uh, his own package, if you know what I mean. That's it. I want you to call... Priority Courier Experts, because you know they've got more than 500 drivers. And tell them we need... A professional, reliable courier service. And make sure they have internet order entry and real-time tracking you know i had priority courier experts account rep in here about a month ago and who knows how many accounts we could have serviced better if we had just signed up and started using the twin cities largest most reliable on-call courier service what's that number because the next package is going with priority courier experts already dialing 651-748-4477 priority courier experts can we help you can you ever priority courier experts every time you call us we deliver Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. What are you doing? My wife yeah. is up. Drew, my wife's over there. She's over there mumbling into the microphone, not realize we were back. I was talking to you. What did I do? No. Um, by the way, Drew Hastings. Drew Hastings with us. Yeah. Comedian, farmer, mayor, not necessarily in that order. My lovely wife is sitting to my left, just going on and on and on about how smart you are. Thanks for that, Drew. Thank you. No. Well, uh, I've got my moments. You have your moments. Um, yeah, I have my moments. You know, uh, r really quickly, I'll mention, I heard you talking before I came on the line about, you were talking to somebody about parenting and this and that. Yeah. And, Brandon uh, Webb, author. Well, uh, oh, yeah. Well, unofficially, and I'm not quite sure of that, but... I have a feeling that my book that I'm putting out, that I'm going to read maybe some excerpts from if we have time today. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually called Sons of Single Mothers. Um, and it's a humorous book. It's not a social, some big social compendium. But it's, uh, um, it's about consequences of being a son of a single mother. And it's funny because none of that is ever talked about, I don't think. No. I think, uh, Single moms can do it all, and single moms know their boys better than anything, and no, they don't. Um, and uh, I love my mom to death, and my mom was amazing, but um, you still, I think, um, I think there's a, I think there are consequences. I'm not, I, I wouldn't even say a price to pay. I would just say consequences, you know. So uh, it's interesting, but my mother was very, um, my mother had a saying, you'll get unconditional love from me when you've earned it. 
<laughs> I love that. Well, I feel, I felt the same way. Your mother's English? That, yeah. That, 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 and my that. mother's English. Very, very Catherine Hepburn, Judy Dench, old school English. And, you know, what love are you it. crying about? Look how stupid you look with water running down your face. <laughs> <laughs> You have another leg. <laughs> he was literally like that. Oh yeah, I, that's wonderful. How many how many brothers and sisters do you have? I just have a younger sister, two years younger, and uh, you know, as I'm as I say in this book that I'm writing, uh, we weren't really raised by a single mom. We fended for ourselves. You yeah. Know, my mother, the last thing she would say as we were, as she went out the door in the morning was, you'll have to fend for yourself. So at ages seven and eight, respectively, that's what we did. God. You know? Terrifying? Uh, did you find it terrifying at first, and then you kind of settled in after that? Yeah, I think so. But I think you just, you know, you do what you got to do. I think ki- I, I just think kids today are just, I just think it's, there's so much helicoptering and everything. Now, I got to tell you, Drew Hastings, our special guest, ladies and gentlemen, Two weeks ago, I was in Chicago doing a conference called Club 30. There are five guys in America who have been on the uh, on morning radio for more than 30 years. That will be Lamont and Tonelli uh, in uh, San Francisco, Paul Castronovo in Miami, uh, Steve Dahl in Chicago, myself, oh, yeah. and then, of course, Tom Griswold, who's a friend of yours from what yeah. I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was yeah, we go way back. Yeah, he's a hell of a guy. Way back. Hell of a guy. He, he's. The, I don't know how many people literally, I guess, gained fame is the best way to to, to put it uh, on Bob and the Bob and Tom show. Bob is retired, of course. Tom Griswold doing the whole thing. He's a very intense guy, don't you think, Drew? Oh, <laughs> he just starts <laughs> laughing. I have, a, I have a saying. I don't know why they invented Google. Just ask Tom. Uh, <laughs> there you go. That's wonderful. Yeah. So, um, but uh, <laughs> it wouldn't matter what you weigh on. You know, I could come in and tell him, you know, Tom, it turns out I have eye cancer. Well, you know, let me tell you something about that. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, some of my cattle look like have trench foot. Oh, I know all about that. Here's what you need to do. So... He's amazing. Very, very. We had a little dinner after the conference. I don't think he got a. He he never took the concerned look off of his face. He always has a concerned look on his face. I was like, he does. Oh yeah. Is he worried about being out to dinner with us? What's going on with this guy? (laughs) Had a great night though. A very smart guy. Very talented guy. Mm -hmm. He's committed to what he's doing. That's what I love about Tom Griswold the most. He is absolutely committed to what he does, which is terrific. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. It's very helpful to me in my career. I could not have, uh, I went absolutely, you know, it's funny. I was in Los Angeles for 13 years in Hollywood mm-hmm. and actually did, it did well. I was well respected um, and did well. I hated it uh, the whole time I was there because <laughs> uh, I'm a Midwest guy right. and I just never liked it. And I have a saying about Hollywood. At the end of the day, the, the, the sun doesn't set in L.A. It just gives up and drops into the ocean with a bitter hiss. Whoa. That's a very and, positive attitude, Drew. Yes. And so I never liked it. And um, it's funny. I left Los Angeles in 04. And I no sooner left. I had just started being on the Bob and Tom show then. And my career, because I was big on touring, took off. Just took off. For I have no idea why. A lot of it had to do with them. And a lot of it had to do with, I think, my mental state coming out of L.A. But they were very instrumental in taking me to an actually to the next level that uh, Hollywood never did. And, um, you know, interestingly enough, I'll tell you, because uh, people, you never think about it. But I had a very large deal with NBC for a sitcom mm-hmm. and had um, the, the most powerful manager, the most powerful agent, and the most powerful attorney in Hollywood. And I used to say, I have the best consortium of Jews and Gentiles uh, put together <laughs> that you have ever amassed. And so I was the guy in 1994, I had a deal for a sitcom on NBC. Absolutely no fail. 
Drew. It's it's a done deal. The only other show they're considering is some ensemble comedy. It's a bunch of pretty faces, and I hear none of them know comedy. And, of course, the rest is history because that was Friends. Right. And I was the guy that didn't get picked up. Oh, God. And Friends did. Uh-huh. So, Isn't that how life interesting, is? Interesting uh, backstory. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that whole cast was... Uh, you know, when you look at, I, I used to like a couple of the people on that show, but then they getting to know them, they had these attitudes about them. Um, a couple of them couldn't act worth a damn, and then a couple of them were just kind of pretty. <laughs> so yes. that's that's got to be frustrating. It's just the way it. Not that I hated Friends; I thought it was very entertaining at times, and uh, I, I guess the biggest. Uh, moment for me is realizing they put a picture frame about uh, around the peephole in their door so that was good i thought that was very yeah. inventive that was clever yeah but so why you went from on top of the heap to not getting picked up at all why did that happen <sighs> to be honest with you if you go back and uh, at, you know there's an old saying you've probably heard as go, so goes California, so goes the nation. Well, if you go back into the mid-90s, and I'm not complaining about this, I'm merely looking at this from a, from a, a distance now. I had the, one of the last deals for the big network sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And right after that, alternative comedy came out, uh, which was anti-comedy, and a number of other things. And frankly, it was the beginning of the era of the white male. And I was, and I was old in, for my experience out there. You have to understand, I did really well out there, and I didn't even go to Hollywood till I was almost 40. Really? It was unheard of. Nobody yeah. does that. No, you're right. And I did that. And what, and had done really well, actually going uphill because I was 40. And you know, by the time I came out of development at 41 or so, it was suddenly like all this other stuff was coming down the pike. A lot of LGBT stuff was starting to come around. And all of a sudden, I think they started seeing me. I was very early on. Oh, that's kind of the aging white male scenario. Mm. And I just kind of got. And I could see the writing on the wall uh, with reality TV coming up. There were a whole lot of factors, actually. But um, reality television did a huge number on Hollywood television. Yeah, and I cannot stand reality television. I, not no. one minute of it. Uh, it's terrible. Yeah. Except and, for Cupcake um, Wars. Yeah, yeah, great. Cupcake Wars, yes. <laughs> but I was lucky. I had a fan. I had a, a fan in L.A. Uh, at the time, Bob Odenkirk, who would oh, yeah. later go on to do Better Call Saul. Love him. And he backed and directed a couple of my one-man shows. And, um, and uh, you know, that got me a lot of cred, too. And um, I, was, so I was always grateful to him for that. And, uh, so, but I was uh, still glad to get out and get in the Midwest. You know, Catherine, my... In fact, that's how I ended up in farming. You know. Yeah, right. And you got into farming, which I do want to bring up, too. Um, my wife, Catherine, she had this smile on her face just as you came on. And she loves the line, when asked if it was culture shock moving from Los Angeles to rural Ohio, Drew replied. Drew, how did you reply to that? Um, you're assuming that there's actually some kind of culture in Los Angeles. <laughs> Or something like that. Catherine yeah. loved yeah. it. That was hilarious. Catherine yeah. loved that line. And that's true. There's yeah. no culture in L.A. What are they doing? What, what? Culture in L.A.? No, I don't There's think. not. In fact, my second favorite line that you might like was when I left the Midwest in the early 90s and had to make a decision. Do I want to go to New York or L.A.? Do I want to wake up in the city that never sleeps or sleep in the city that never wakes up? <laughs> <laughs> That was my. I love doing anti-LA stuff. When was that? What year was that? When you when you went to LA for the first time? Went over in '92. '93. '93. I had uh, Catherine. When did we get a, get the place in New York? Oh God. That was '88. Uh, 
84? 84, something like that. 84. Yeah, Drew, we went through the same situation where I was either going to go to New York or Los Angeles to do voiceover. And oh. we decided to do New York because I, I was with Capitol Records before that for about five years. I did the Midwest promotion job, which meant I had to go oh. out to the tower all the time. And I've never liked Los Angeles. Not one minute of me being in Los Angeles did I like. I've never cared for it. So I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And New York yeah. was a ball, so it all worked out in the end. But I, I hate hearing stories of people that come that close to huge stardom, and then at, at the last minute they pull the rug out, and here, this is what you got. That's terrible. I hate oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, and you know, the, 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 the difficult part really is you go to L.A. to get discovered, and then you get discovered, and then what happens is when you get pushed aside um, for whatever reason, you now have to be rediscovered. And rediscovered is much harder than being discovered. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Well, that's probably why Britney Spears shaved her head and hit hit the car with an umbrella. (laughs) I mean, you got to do a lot to get noticed. It could be. Re-noticed. I I think it's fantastic. I have to look back, though, Tom, at You know, I look back at those years in L.A., and, you know, there's a part of me, and I don't say this in a, like, in a self-destructive way, but there's a part of me that didn't want it bad enough. I have never liked television, per se. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never been, I've always thought it was rather stupid. Um, I mean, there's a few shows that I liked and stuff, and not all TV is stupid, but I just... I was never crazy about it, especially um, uh, some of the sitcoms. And I just, so I wasn't that excited about doing television. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'd done some. It was like factory work. Um, You know, you go in, you come out of your camera, you you point at your wife and go, Whoa, I told you never to do that. Uh, (laughs) Then you go back to the trailer and then you come back and do it again. That was a pretty good Jackie Gleason impression. No, you'll be fine. Drew, you have to come back more often. Just one uh, one little five-minute or 15-minute period is not enough. Please come back. I want to talk to you more about your book and about your life and about everything. Oh, I would love to because um, I'm going to put together some book and reading events up there in your market. And so I would hope to call in. Uh, I'll talk to your person there, and I would love to call in and um, you know maybe do have some very, very funny uh, excerpts from stories uh, that I'm doing. I would love to hear it, Drew. Thank you so much for your time. Great talking to you. Very, very funny. But I like your attitude toward life. Is like, ah, screw everything. I kind of like that. I like that a lot. Thank you, and thank you, Catherine. Thanks very much, Drew. Drew Hastings, book's called Comedian, Farmer, Mayor, not necessarily in that order. Great show today. Great guest today, as a matter of fact. Four of them. Four great guests on the show today. I love it. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show.